one of the biggest problems that we face as millennials and Gen Zs today is that housing seems almost unaffordable for most of us. It's because of a combination of factors including less houses being built, increasing interest rates, increasing inflation and obviously the house prices going up. All in all, I feel that millennials and Gen Zs have it far worse than our elder counterparts when it comes to owning property or even in some cases renting property. We are seeing homelessness rising across the West as well. So in this episode, we are going to talk about how much house can you really afford? How much should your housing expense look like? And is it really realistic to be living up to those numbers? First, let's talk about a 30% rule, which is applicable to most people who want to rent. What the 30% rule says is that you should be spending at a maximum of 30% of your gross income on your housing expenses. For example, you earn $6,000 a month. Your maximum spend on your housing, inclusive of everything, should be 1.5k. And now let's talk about the 30-33 rule, which says when you are buying a house, your housing expense should still be 30% max of gross income. You should also have around 30% of deposit in cash liquid. And additionally, the house that you buy should not be more than 3x your gross income. So in reality, the 30-33 rule for buying means that you don't want to spend more than 30% of your income on the housing expense. You also want to be having 30% of your deposit in cash, which means if you are buying a house worth 100k, you need to have 30k cash in hand. It also means that if your salary is 100k, the maximum amount of your housing purchase value should be 300k. Now this is in my own honest opinion a bit far stretched. If you are someone who's hitting the 30-33 goal, you are really doing a great job at managing your personal finance. Congratulations. But for most people, actually, this is really hard. And I'll tell you why. Because according to Census Bureau data in the US, the average median household income is about 75000 which means that they have about $2,000 per month to spend on housing. If you consider your mortgage or your rent situation, especially for high cost living areas like New York, you are probably going to find it extremely difficult to cut a deal under that budget. Similarly, if I talk about the UK, ONS reports that the median household income is about 38k, which means that you are left with about 1.2k, so that's 1200 pounds a month towards your housing expenses. Now, living in London, I can tell you that your housing is very likely going to cost a lot more than 1200 pounds a month. And if you want to find out more about the costs of living in London, I have done a video on that. Go check that one out. But actually, talking about London and New York, I think one of the key critical things that we want to keep in mind about our housing situation is where in the world we live, which country and which cities in that country. Tier 1 cities like London and New York are always going to be more expensive than Tier 2 cities. So if you throw in a high cost of living city into the mix, you are probably going to really struggle with a lower income. Of course, that's not all. You also need to have some other considerations while budgeting how much your housing expense should 
be. And one of the key factors in that is the situation of the other debts that you have in your life. That could be credit card loans, that could be student loans, that could even be childcare costs and so on. So there's another rule which is the 2836 rule which says that your housing expense should not exceed 28% of your gross salary and in total your debt should not be more than 36% of your gross income. This is really interesting because most of the lenders out in the market will want to give you a loan which will be 5x of your income. However, it's not always in your best interest that you end up putting all that you can afford to pay back into one basket of housing. The reason I say this is because lenders don't really worry about you saving money elsewhere for your retirement. And having worked in credit for a number of years, I can tell you that lenders only care about your solvency. So if they know that you are a creditworthy customer, you are likely to pay back the loan, they will give you the loan. Because it's in their interest, it's their business to actually give you as much money as they can give you safely. However, the challenge is that if you borrow as much as you can, you end up not saving enough money towards your retirement funds and not paying other important debt like your credit card loans, like your student loans and so on. So actually, I really like this thumb rule of saying 36% of my gross income is a max of debt that I'll take on. Beyond this, I need to save my money for my retirement, for my children's education, for other things in life. I don't want to be putting all my money towards my housing. The second consideration, of course, is your income. And I've said this multiple times, the fastest way to actually spend more money and save more money simultaneously is to grow your income. Now, of course, when you start talking about the 30-33 rule or the 28-36 rule for a person who has a 100K income versus a 300K income versus a million dollars a year income, their housing situations are going to look very different. The ratios that they can play with will look very different. If you are indeed earning a million dollars a year, you don't really need to be considering the 28-36 rule or the 30-33 rule, you can play around with your housing expense as appropriate for your level. However, for most of us who are earning more modest salaries, the best and easiest way to increase how much we can spend on our house is by growing our income. And if that's something that you are considering, one of the easiest ways to grow your income is to, you guessed it, get a higher paying job. And if you are someone who is considering looking out for a higher paying job, I'll link down my free resources below. I have gone through three job search hats within my community. I'll put a link down below in the description box. Go check it out and I will see you inside in my email list. The third thing to consider, of course, are the interest rates in the economy. Of course, in the past six to eight months, interest rates have gone up, up, up. However, within the US, I know that you can actually fix an interest rate at a really low level for 20, 30 years of your mortgage term. However, within the UK, we can only fix our rates for a maximum of five years. So interest rates actually have a lot of impact on how much housing you can afford. When the interest rates are lower, you are very likely 
going to be able to pay more towards your capital. However, when the interest rates are higher, you are very likely going to be burdened a lot more with the interest debt. And if house prices don't move in tandem with interest rates, which sometimes they do, but in most cases, not by as much. But then I'm not a financial advisor by any means. I'm not a mortgage advisor by any means. So with that substantial caveat, I would suggest you keep an eye on your interest rates in the market right now and make an educated decision on how much money you want to spend towards your housing. The next things to consider are PMI and NPI. Let me explain. PMI is private mortgage insurance. Typically in the US and UK, you can buy a house even if you have 3 to 5% of deposit for the down payment. However, if you have less than 20% deposit, your lender would encourage you, in fact, mandate you to have a PMI, which is private mortgage insurance. And PMI rates could be anywhere between 0.5% to 1% in the UK. And this is to protect the lender in case you were to go bankrupt or insolvent. What you, however, need to understand is that PMI expense does not build equity in the house. So if you have 20% deposit, consider putting that in so that you are building equity in the house. Of course, there are cases when it's not as wise to do that, especially when your interest rates are much, much lower. But as a rule of thumb, if it was me in my financial situation, I would probably go ahead and put in 20% of down payment. Of course, like I said, I'm not a financial advisor. So if you have any questions regarding this stuff, please go and speak to a financial advisor. Now coming to MPI, MPI is slightly different. MPI is mortgage protection insurance, which is there to protect the buyer if they were to fall sick or become insolvent for whatever reasons. Typically, MPI covers you for about two years and pays up to about 60 to 65% of your monthly income, which means you can still keep putting money towards your mortgage payments and you'll still have a roof over your head. So MPI is protecting yourself. PMI is protecting the lender. Of course, there are different sorts of PMI as well, which is borrower paid, meaning you pay the PMI you could also opt for PMIs which are single premium so you pay an upfront PMI and they'll take care of the rest there's a third category where the lender pays the PMI and they charge you back so typically your interest rates will be higher because the lender's paying the PMI and when the lender pays the PMI you can't renegotiate the deal to a lower interest rate when your deposit or your loan to value reaches 20% whereas in the first or the second case you can build in those clauses that you actually are going to stop paying PMI when your loan to value reaches 20%. And then the final case is where the lender and the borrower split the premium. This is yet another way of getting some insurance onto your property. So those were the different things around PMI and MPI that you want to keep in mind while purchasing a house. And finally, I have to say that was a lot of information that I threw at you, quite dense information. So if there was any part that you want to go over, do that. If you are someone who's considering buying a house, I've done a video on buying versus renting. Go check that one out because I've gone into huge amounts of detail about compound interest and what it really means to actually buy versus rent in what sort of cases. So 
go check that one out and if you found this video informative and if you just realized actually that you are hitting any of the 30-33 rules or the 30% rule or the 28-36 rule drop it down in the comments below I would love to congratulate you on your special financial achievement and grow your income because that's in my humble opinion the best and the easiest way to actually live a more abundant life and if you found this informative please consider subscribing it does motivate me so much to keep creating more content like this for you thank you and i'll see you the next time bye